Horror movies are more than just empty thrills. They are a mirror that reflects the darker sides of our culture and our psyche. Each episode, we will go beyond the first cut and discuss the themes and topics that hide below the surface. I'm Dave, Professor of Communication. And I'm Vince, Professor of Psychology. Welcome to A Dark Impression. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of A Dark Impression. Uh, my name is Vincent Corbo. I'm a professor of psychology. I have been a fan of the horror genre since I was too young, and I saw the uh, Michael Jackson thriller video and got scared by those zombies dancing. My name is Dave Humphreys. I'm an assistant professor of communication. And the first horror movie I remember seeing was Poltergeist, probably when I was about seven or eight. And it scared the crap out of me, and I watched them ever since. For our first episode of A Dark Impression, we're going to be talking about uh, how Halloween and Fear Street 1994 compare through their use of various filming and psychology techniques. Halloween from 1978 was directed by John Carpenter and starred Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance, amongst a few others. Fear Street 1994 was from 2021, gets a little confusing with the dates there, um, was directed by Legion Aik, um, and stars Kiana Madeira, Olivia Scott Welch, Maya Hawk briefly, and uh, Jillian Jacobs from Community, which was a nice surprise. So both of these movies are good examples of the slasher genre, uh, which we thought we would start this podcast series with. Uh, the slasher genre really became popular starting with uh, Halloween, uh, had a bit of a... a, a a very popular strain in uh, the 80s, died down a little bit uh, in the 90s, was revived by uh, the Scream um, uh, series of movies, um, and it has been kind of in and out of uh, the spotlight ever since. But it is a seminal genre in the horror movie, so we thought that we would uh, start there. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about slasher films. I've always uh, had a particular affinity to them, and I remember seeing scream in theaters and just being blown away by how awesome it was. So anyways, um, yeah. Halloween and fear street, 1994. Um, what do you want to talk about first Vince? So I think we should start with, um, common elements of, um, how the movies are made and, and, um, things that come into the, uh, direction of the movie. Uh, so I would like to first start talking about, um, two elements that kind of caught my attention. Uh, the music that's used in the movies and the lighting that's used in both movies. I, I know the music in Halloween was really interesting at the time uh, because it was composed by John Carpenter on almost no budget um, and was uh, played on synths, which is awesome. It it dates the movie. Um, I think it has that retro flavor. Um, it's interesting because he does not stray away from his main theme that he really tags on to that one character, which is uh, Michael Myers, not to be confused with uh, the comedian. Um, so you know something is about to happen when you hear that character's theme. Um, I guess it's it's meant to kind of build up the anticipation, the anxiety. Um, I was rewatching it recently, and the music, the music starts, and we're in broad daylight, and there's nothing threatening. There's 
you know, a few leaves that are being thrown uh, by a technician to, you know, say it's uh, Halloween time. And you have that character, and the only thing that's would be kind of mildly scary is the music. So it was the use of it was interesting, but I think it was good that it was a minimalistic kind of um, pattern. Yeah, and I, th- I think it. Uh, if you look at another film from the same time period, uh, Jaws, they do the exact same thing, except with a um, you know no no offense to John Carpenter, but a much better produced score by John Williams. Uh, and uh, they they had issues, notorious issues with the shark, uh, the the shark actually working. So one of the ways that they got around that was by playing music to, um, uh, I guess, intimate that the shark is present, even though we're seeing from the shark's eyes. So we know whenever we hear that dun, 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 dun in Jaws, we know Jaws is there. Just like whenever we hear the, uh, the synths, uh, dun, 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 um, excuse my pitch, but, uh, pitch uh, perfect. Yes. Uh, not what I'm known for, but, uh, whenever we hear that in Halloween, we know Michael Myers is lurking around or at least the threat of him. So, um, it, I think you see it more in the later movies, but they have the music start to play and then they'll have like a fake scare that kind of like, uh, Oh, he must be in the closet. I'm going to open the door and the cat jumps down. Right. Um, which is still like that. You, you get into the inner space of the character, uh, they're like, okay, I'm worried that you know somebody's going to jump out of the closet and kill me, so I'm going to open the closet door. It's it's funny because um, how much they use music because of the power of music to associate associate with um, memories and with with uh, ideas. Uh, we all have our songs. We all have memories of uh, the moment that you hear a specific song. You can. Uh, remember where you were when you first heard it, or those memories are typically very powerful uh, from the neuroscience perspective. Over the last, uh, say, 15 years, there's been more and more interest in understanding how uh, the music maps onto different brain networks. And it's interesting that, uh, especially, I think, in the horror genre, it's been used to evoke emotion um, and not just happiness or sadness, but uh, anxiety and fear. Um, It's Specifically, the the genre of music, the tempo uh, that you associate with the presence of the threat. So it's for the time it was really well done for uh, Halloween. Better in Jaws, but, you know, better orchestra. Yeah. John Williams, you know. Yeah. Can't beat him. How about lighting? Lighting, uh, at least from my perspective, lighting can be one of those make it or break it type uh, tools where bad lighting ruins the film um and i think halloween does this great job of of using minimal lighting because of the ultra low budget that it was shot on in an effective way for the most part um there's some kind of there's some wonkiness here and there but i think it can be excused your eyes are going to be drawn to what you can't see and what you can't see is what you anticipate um it's scarier not to know something than to see the uh the threat actually because once you see the threat you know what to do um or you know where it is uh so it it was it was interesting how much darkness was used in that movie but like you said it's probably uh half intentional half budget restrictions um as opposed to uh fear street 1994 that had um a really interesting palette of bright colors um a lot of neons uh, a lot of uh, um Blues and, and pinks, uh, I'm thinking about the uh, when everything is happening at the, the mall. There's that very artificial, uh, uh, and it anchors you in time. Like, you know when you are just because of the lighting. 
I think you also see this because 1994 is set in the past while Halloween is set in the present. Well, the 1978 present. And when we look back, we always remember the past or maybe not always, but a lot of the times we remember the past fondly. When you look at films that are coming out in 1994, they're a lot darker. They're a lot more bleak if they're representing the present. This is the same thing that you can think about with Stranger Things with, um, you know, versus Hmm. the 1980s horror films, which tended to be pretty dark and gritty, where Stranger Things is very much this, um, yeah, that like neon feel to it. Uh, Not throughout. There are certainly dark moments in it, uh, but as a whole, it kind of has this, um, you know, especially what season two or season three when they're at the pool, like that, like sun drenched 80s vibe uh, that you wouldn't see as much in 80s horror films from that same time period. No, no, you wouldn't. And I think that might be used as a contrast of like, here's this idyllic time and then the threat comes in. Uh, in the form of, of, well, in Fear Street 1994, in the um, form of these multiple killers. Um, and they kind of shatter that uh, um, color palette or what the color palette can uh, evoke. Um, it's interesting that you, you mention uh, how we remember things. That's one thing, again, from, from my field is um, we know how memory is constructive and reconstructive. We constantly kind of rewrites uh, our recollection of past events, which is why the a lot of the movies that are set in the past take on that specific color, which is how we're coloring our um, memories that are not half as accurate as we think that they truly are. Um, so it's interesting to see that um, more in the, the clinical field and as well in uh, the way that they use tools like lighting to represent, okay, this is set in the past. And we know it's in the past because either you have a, a sepia type of, of filter or you have those bright colors that you don't see anywhere anymore. And I don't know that they ever use those specific and as much color uh, in malls and, and other areas. But yeah, we, we, we taint our memory with with color, literally and figuratively. And, you know, this goes back to the uh, the conversation that we were just having on music as well. Um, you know, we didn't talk about the music in Fear Street, which I think is, uh, you know, really important to consider, especially thinking about how we're envisioning the past and how uh, how the, the filmmakers in Fear Street evoke the past uh, through songs that we associate with 1994. Yeah, that was the the soundtrack of like my my early adolescence. You had Garbage, you had Bush, you had Nine Inch Nails, you had all those bands uh, that really kind of signify that uh, first half of the '90s. Every single one of them, I was watching the movie, and every single one of them was like, "Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good song." Um, they didn't go wrong at all. They they completely nailed it, which I thought was impressive. Yeah, it's um, listening, just listening to the Fear Street 94 soundtrack is like having an awesome mixtape. We see these two tools being used by filmmakers, not just in a, a horror genre, but uh, pretty much in cinema. And it's one of those things that um, we've been using for a long time. And now we're getting a little bit more understanding through uh, research on why this is actually working. Why is it in the brain that some people may not remember a specific thing, but then you can trigger it with music and the memory comes flooding back. Even people that are 
um, significantly impaired in their memory, people who are suffering from uh, uh, dementia or Alzheimer's disease, you can use music to evoke memories that have been, that otherwise you would feel are completely lost um, to, to the past. Uh, it's interesting to see that being used in a genre like horror genre where um, what you're essentially doing is playing a lot with the emotions and playing a lot with the arousal and sometimes less is more. Um, the the uh, soundtrack that John Carpenter uh, wrote on his uh, small synth, not a whole lot of, of complexity in the melody, but it's enough to kind of generate that sense of foreboding, that sense of, of anxiety. Of course, John Williams did something much grander with, but even you, you listen to, it's, it's only a few notes. And I would be curious to talk to someone who has uh, expertise in musical theory to see why they go for those specific notes. But it's, it's not like you're listening to a Pink Floyd album. It's very simple, but it's enough to evoke uh, anxiety. It's an, uh, enough to invoke uh, or to increase the level of, of arousal, which speaks to how geared we are to uh, feel those emotions because they're so useful um, and so entertaining when it comes to those movies. The second segment that I, I would like to discuss with you, now that we've talked about um, elements of how the movies were, were shot and more of the, um, the craft of making a, a scary movie, I'd be curious to um, talk with you a little bit about the themes that are in the movie, um, and some of the, the narrative plots that are uh, used by both directors. Sure. I, one of the things that I always love about horror movies is how uh, the really good ones do a great job of capturing society's fears at that particular time. And you can actually see this work in, uh, it, it's usually about 10-year blocks of uh, films that focus on specific issues uh, for a period of time. And Halloween really kind of set the stage for the 80s, which was this idea of uh, coming of age of uh, teen fears of uh, sex that you didn't see so much in the 60s uh, and in the 50s, which were much more focused on, uh, you know, the 50s much more focused on nuclear war and uh, the fear of communism. So in something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, and the 60s much more focused on this idea of horror hiding in plain sight. So something like Rosemary's Baby, where it's a drama right. first and foremost, but it's also horror. there's a twist. Right. Yes. Halloween in 78 really set forth this motion of let's explore what teens are going through and the fears that they have. And, you know, again, part of that is that coming of age, it's sex, it's the idea that the killer targets you if you are no longer, uh, quote unquote, pure. Right. Um, if you don't have your virginity, you're going to get killed. And Scream did a really good job of playing with that, too, in a you know, tongue in cheek way. Yeah. Uh, Fear Street flips it a bit because right now where you, you see this starting with um, with Get Out in particular, this idea of. Uh, race as mm -hmm. a uh, social uh, fear mm -hmm. and uh, fear street 94 plays with that. Um, and then they also play with uh, sexuality and um, understanding who you are as a person, uh, you know, gay, straight, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, they do a really good job of playing with, um, with that as a, uh, an underlying component for creating fear. That's the uh, uh, classic, Let's use fear as a way to, quote unquote, um, 
impose societal control. Um, if you do this, bad things are going to happen. Um, if you're not good, it's not going to be Santa. It's going to be Krampus that's going to come and, and visit you, uh, or the witch is going to get you. Or yeah, it's it's interesting. What what I find fascinating about that is um, contrasting uh, Halloween with um, movies that came out before, like The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby. First, yeah, there's there's who it is, and adolescence and early adulthood are periods of uh, a significant uh, psychological upheaval. Uh, we used to think just in terms of adolescence and then adulthood. Nowadays, we have adolescence and then we have emerging adulthood and then you have young adulthood and so on. Um, but we recognize that this is a period of transformation. And it's kind of trying to keep virtue through that uh, transformation period that uh, seems to be sort of the target theme of uh, those movies. Also reminds me of um, another mo uh, modern one, uh, It Follows. It also taps into that uh, fear of sex. Um, in 1978, of teenagers having uh, sex, and now it's, uh, I guess, a societal fear of um, the emergent spectrum of, of uh, sexual orientations uh, and so on. So I think that's that's an interesting theme that's coming through that, and that's reflected in the movie, that we don't understand, or society doesn't necessarily completely understand, so we're afraid of it, so we'll put that at the uh, core of the movie. I, I think that one of the big differences, though, is that in Fear Street, um, unlike Halloween, Halloween is about maintaining that virtue. Fear Street, the, you know, the characters with what would be considered an alternative sexual orientation are okay. Yeah. Like they're the main characters. They're, uh, they're, they're supported. They're, um, they're not the ones that get killed first. Right. And especially cause one of those characters is a character of color. Yes. So you think about like that versus the eighties. Mm -hmm. If you had a gay black character in the eighties, they would be the first one dead. Yes. hundred percent. I think scream actually, uh, um, played on that. If you're they're a character of color, you're the first one to go. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like that, that fear street is using that as a means to create uh, horror, but isn't falling into the trap of, Oh, you're outside of what society says you should be. So you're going to get killed by a serial killer. Right. It's in, instead of preserving your, your quote unquote virtue as a means to survival, it's embracing your personal identity for all that it is that leads you to survival and that is a, a complete 180 compared to uh, the original scream queen uh, jamie lee curtis who survives uh, kind of because she is the virtuous one uh, in 1994 virtue is embracing who you are and <laughs> i think that shows a little bit of progression uh, in terms of of uh, society's understanding of uh, sexuality in the last let's say 43 years yeah. So not at, bad. <laughs> at very least, it's the filmmaker's understanding of it. I don't know how how much better society is, uh, but hopefully a little bit better. Well, I yes. think yeah. <laughs> the, the, there is hope. There is hope. Um, and I know you wanted to talk a bit about fight or flight as well. Yeah, because that's if you have a movie where the antagonists, and we will have episodes on on ghosts and on possessions, um, when those are used as an antagonist. Um, the main character's reaction is going to be different versus if the antagonist is a being of flesh and bones. 
or at least perceived as a being of flesh and bones. Even though Michael Myers, clearly there's something a little otherworldly about that character because he comes back for, I don't know, 56 movies and never dies. <laughs> I think he got his head chopped off once, right? And, yeah, and a just reattaches it. Um, you can think of, of other um, important figures of the genre. I'm thinking about uh, Jason, um, who again gets beaten up and 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 trashed and always comes back so there's something otherworldly but bottom line is their threat is physical it's it's uh the machete for jason it's uh, the big uh kitchen knife for michael myers in halloween it is the chainsaw for leatherface um there's something physical about them and so the characters can react with what we have which is the fight or flight response most of the time people think fight or flight. There's a third one that shouldn't be forgotten, which is the freeze response, which you'll see a lot in prey animals. If they don't know where the threat is or where it's coming from, uh, they'll freeze. Because if you start running, you might run into uh, the threat. So sometimes freezing is actually a, a good response. But you see the difference in acting from Halloween to uh, Fear Street. Uh, the first murder in Halloween the character is barely defending themselves, like, oh, no, Michael, no, <laughs> just waving their arms like they're at the, uh, a concert and had uh, a few too many substances. Um, there's there's no defense there, and you see the complete opposite in uh, Fear Street 1984, where the characters actually, when they run, they run, and they portray that kind of adrenaline surge, 100% um, focused on survival, and when they fight, they fight. It's not... It's not beautiful it's not well choreographed but they fight with all that they have and i think that's something that people don't i mean we know uh that we have those responses but it's something else to experience those responses um, to really push your body to one single objective which is survival at all costs um, and that's something that was kind of uh portrayed in halloween but clearly not uh, the acting and direction clearly wasn't there. Um, I remember the, the the boyfriend, I don't remember his name, but he essentially just stays still as Michael Myers is pinning him to a wall with a, a knife, not displaying any kind of reaction. And I get that there is a freezing response, but yeah, that one made me laugh. I think the one of the big differences that we're seeing too is the idea in uh, films like Halloween that the the kills are what's important uh whereas more modern horror uh the deaths have to be earned and so you see in fear street 94 and actually it, the the fear street 94 intro is very similar to the scream intro mm -hmm. which is the first film i can think of that really made the deaths earned yes uh where uh, yeah like the the you're you're rooting for the what ends up being the victim but when they get killed, you're like, okay, yeah, they tried their best, yeah, and the killer's yeah. really good at at stabbing or whatever. So wait, you're not supposed to root for the killer? I mean, <laughs> the killer is the one trying to earn this. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Sure, you're not supposed to, but no, you're right. Uh, Protagonist Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, I want to believe that it's actually Mike Myers from Austin Powers behind the mask. You know, you don't see him, right? Uh, you do at the end, really right. yes, quickly. Yes. Um, and I thought that was that was I. I did not remember that sequence, but watching it recently, I thought that was really cool that he looks ordinary, completely ordinary. It's the banality of evil. I mean, I know he's supposed to be this uh, huge 
uh, killer and the, the psychiatrist talks about I met the face of true evil uh, but you look at him and he really doesn't look like anybody except for well William Shatner yeah the uh, the I, I think that's that's a big part of the fear is that it could be the person standing next to you in the supermarket checkout line right and you wouldn't know um, and except for the mask except for the mask right? <laughs> Yeah, but like you think about that with with um, serial killers, like real life serial killers, like uh, BTK, yep, who looks like a normal dude, yeah, uh, and you know, come to find out, he's not. Right. I think that's the appeal of it. Is yeah, the the, the monster that's hiding behind the face that um, doesn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's. I think the fight or flights, and this is something that comes back in all horror movies because that's what we have in terms of, of uh, behavioral repertoire. That's what we know what to do. We know that this, there, if there's a threat, you run. If you can't run, you start clawing, biting, kicking. You do what you can. Um, but you're right. It's interesting how it was not displayed in um, Halloween. The, the, the character, I think it's Sarah, the best friend of Jamie Lee Curtis, who gets strangled one-handed in her car and um, and barely fights back, or there's no reaction. So the focus is really on, oh, wow, she's dying. Um, versus in 1994, uh, uh, the friend who tries her best not to uh, go through the, the, the um, meat. It's not a meat grinder. It's a meat chopper, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the butcher um, shop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she does fight to her last breath. Um, and so I, I feel like the kill is even yeah more impactful because it is earned and i guess because you you identify yourself with that victim even more because you want to think that if you were in that situation you would be the one fighting back and not the one going oh no michael no no i think i would probably end up being that person i would, <laughs> I, I, would I, I would freeze i'd be like just just make it quick um yeah so i think when, when we're thinking about fight or flight We'll, we'll definitely be discussing it on the next episode when we talk about possession, how, you know, when fight or flight is no longer an option. Yep. Uh, how do you escape something that is in you? Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> Join us next time on A Dark Impression. Thanks for taking the time to listen to A Dark Impression. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rating and reviews make the world a scarier place. Consider leaving one wherever you get your podcasts. A Dark Impression was produced and edited by Vince and Dave. All movies are copyright their respective sources. Music is from Adobe Stock. All rights reserved.